Welcome to episode one of Child Eyes. In this episode, I interview David Sosa, bassist of Astragal, audio engineer at White Oak Music Hall, frontman of his side project Soso, a collage artist, and a tattoo gun owner. He's a special guy, and I'm honored to have had the chance to sit down and talk with him over the summer. I couldn't have thought of a better first person to interview in this episode, we explore a lot of different themes, but I think a common thread was the impact of people who are instrumental in your creative path and how they impact the rest of your life. I would like to warn the audience that in this episode, we discuss some tough topics like divorce, emotional abuse, and attempted suicide. While this podcast is called Child Eyes, it is intended for mature audiences. With that in mind, I hope you do enjoy this podcast. Um... There's been a lot of long nights put in, a lot of of a learning curve, um, and I promise you it's only going to get better from here on. Um, Please enjoy my new intro song performed by Astragal called Mully Grubs. What's your best summer memory? Because it's summer outside. It's oh, hot. summer. Oh, man. Okay, let's just, just rewind it back like a fish reel to San Antonio. Okay. All right? Yeah. Summertime. Right? Green, green belt. Right? Okay. So, two miles down the green belt, to the left, looking out my backyard. You go down there. It's a big incline going down there. And there's rattlesnakes everywhere. It's crazy. It's crazy. Desolate Texas. San Antonio. Right? Am I, am I peeking right now? No. Okay, cool. Down there, two miles, there's a bunch of trees that grew in the middle of the green belt, like big oak trees. And uh, I guess maybe a year before, a bunch of teenagers built like eight or nine different tree houses all next to each other, which was the coolest thing. So we used to walk down there and all find those tree houses and like make forts and stuff. And that inspired... Um, me and my little brothers to ask my dad to help us make a treehouse in our backyard, which was the coolest treehouse. And I'm talking, I still remember it to this day. It was huge. It was a bit, there was a big deck. There was like two different ways to get up. We had lights stringed in the trees. There wasn't a cover, which kind of sucked, but we slept out of there a couple times and it was just really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a really cool experience. Like, it was just good. You built a treehouse with your dad and your brothers. My dad did a lot of the work. Okay, yeah. But (laughs) that's special. But yeah, we were still like, yay. (laughs) We like painted some things. (laughs) That's about it. He like handed you one piece of wood and he's like, put a nail in this. (laughs) Nails it so here. And I'm like, okay. I'm helping. (laughs) (laughs) I did nothing. (laughs) He's like, paint this. And like, I'm sure he meant paint it and like solid and we're like painting circles. You're making beautiful (laughs) shapes. He's like, like, okay. Nobody else has to see this. It's your treehouse. <laughs> we moved out of the house. It was so sad. We left that treehouse behind. It was a good treehouse. Yeah. Yeah. Memories treehouse. Did you get, like, one of those pulleys in the bucket to, like, bring stuff up in the treehouse? I tree think house? we did something like that. I, I loved that. Remember. 
I had a fort where I did that, and it was like uh-huh. my favorite part about the fort yeah, was like, putting things in this bucket and, and like pulling it up. up. Or having like your parent come out and be like, "Put your where do you want the macaroni? Put, Put the macaroni the in the bucket. Yeah. Put it in the bucket." And he's like, "I brought it out in my hand." And he's just like, you're like "Put it in the bucket." And there's like dirt in the bucket. And you the macaroni. You're like, "Mmm, scrumptiousness. Eat the macaroni." Wait, did your parents bring you macaroni outside in their hands? Yes. Yeah. Did your parents not do that? No. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm worried about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm here. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> it's okay. I still eat it in my hand, so... <laughs> you can't stop me. Uh, San Antonio. Finding my best friend from mm. childhood, which is my dog. And I used to... I was backed up to a green belt. My house was. And um, past the green belt, it was all forest. And there was always a bunch of deers and dogs that were back there. And we were not supposed to go back there. And um, a dog just came out of there one day, chasing a deer, and came up to me in my backyard by myself and, like, was just licking me. And I was like, Aww. this is a good puppy. And then I took the dog inside, and they were like, no, we can't keep it. She was, uh, she was like a German Shepherd mixed with some some beautiful golden retriever kind of thing. I don't know. She was interesting. And she just came from... She just came from the woods. Wow. Frolicked over this huge fence chasing a deer. And she came to me, and I was like, oh, I was scared in my mind. I yeah. remember just the moment I was scared. And um, For the deer? Like, no, what do you think would have even happened if Lola had caught the deer? Do you think that would have been a way different situation? Probably. I would have been, like, freaked out and ran inside. <laughs> no, and been, like, so oh, sorry. my God, that rabid dog caught a deer. <laughs> but so she was like, instead of me thinking about that possibility and being a child, I was like, it's a good puppy. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of me. It licked me a little bit. So, yeah. I and mean, the deer just kept going. The deer was gone. Yeah. I mean, it's a deer. It's not going to sit there and go, oh, they have, they have a good relationship. I think I'm really worried about Bambi in this scenario. <laughs> about Lola. Bambi? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, what do you think the movie's written about? Come on. Mm. I've never seen Bambi. Oh, because, like, <laughs> I can tell you. No, I've literally like never that. seen Bambi. All I know is there's a deer and a blue jay, right? It's a blue jay. Uh, I don't remember that part, but I know Bambi's parents die. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, talk about bad childhoods. Yeah, that's a really bad childhood right there. Um, okay, so how long did you have Lola for? Until last year. Oh, wow. Yeah. She just passed. Wait, did I meet Lola? You've met Lola before, for sure. How do I, I not remember that? Well, I mean, not ever, not all my friends remember her. She isn't like a, she was, she used to be very uppity. Oh. And, you know, this last year she just had the the big C word. Mm-hmm. She had that stuff. And, um, yeah. Yeah. She just left. But that's a long time. Oh, man, she was... We didn't know how old she was when we got her. And she came with you from San Antonio. She came with, San, she came with us from San Antonio. I was nine, so yeah. I'm 21 now. I died when I was 20, so that's 11 years plus whatever age she had already had on her. Yeah. So, yeah, she lived a long life. What's your uh, favorite memory with Lola? Um, <laughs> in San Antonio, again, I, oh, I yeah. haven't thought about this a lot in a long time. It isn't my memory. But from then, um, my mom was walking down the street while I was at school with my little brother in a carriage with Lola. And this is also has a good memory with another cat that we used to have named Tank. He's a big, orange, fluffy cat. The best kind of cat. Super sweet. He's, yes. His name is Tank. He used to sleep with us. He was super cool. Aww. But, um, yeah, my little brother was like two at the time. Maybe even one. He's a baby. She was walking down with him as a carriage down this cul-de-sac and there was a group of literal rabid dogs that had been talked about on the news that came for my mom to 
like that were running at her and barking at her that were trying to get the baby, <gasps> my little brother. And um, Lola started attacking them. It was a Rottweiler. That was the top of the pack, quote unquote. You know, the the lead boy. But Wait, they were rabid dogs. They were in the rabid. news. It was like a pack of dogs that was literally like that. Were, they were attacking people. Wow. Yeah. And they came for your mom. They came for your mom while she was in the street. And we lived in like San Antonio, but the back hills of San Antonio. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the country. It was suburbia, but it was still being developed suburbia. So like like I said, the green belt, there was a lot of wild land over there. There was a lot of territory for those dogs to just go and run away rather than being complete suburbia. So Lola was fighting them off and my mom ran to the house, but Tank, that orange cat, literally sacrificed itself by attacking the dogs too. And the well, Tank died that night. Because of the dog, they ripped him up, sadly. But, um... Tank saved your mom. Tank saved my mom, yeah. And Lola Lola. did, too. But Lola survived because she's a big puppy. She got pretty hurt, though. So Lola was, like, a hero, kind of. Oh, Lola was a big old hero. From the Mm get-go. Yeah, and that was only after having her for, like, a year. Yeah. Yeah, she was just a wonderful dog. Wow. Seriously. I've, like, always been a dog person. I like the aspect of the animal paying attention to you. Yeah. And the dog is just so much more friendly and in your face with the love and it's like combative for just wanting your attention we've just always had so many animals over the years and also going back to that San Antonio childhood I remember two hamsters that died no they were guinea pigs more of a slant on the heart they were uh, yeah they died we buried them in the backyard in the garden to the left part of the yard you know what is I had two guinea pigs that died as well yeah mm-hmm. what were their names um I think it was marshmallow and s'mores those are some really deep names. Uh, yeah, I was like probably nine or ten, and we'd taken them on a road trip, and we'd put them in a Rubbermaid box, <laughs> and someone, when they were packing the car, put the Rubbermaid box lid on top <laughs> of them. Yeah, and we got home, and I think my parents realized, like, oh, these these guinea pigs suffocate in the back of our car while we were driving. <laughs> and kind of, like, as me and my sister realized, I just remember us literally, like, screaming, like, I never want another pet again. Yeah. It's such an awful way for an animal to die. It was very traumatic. How long was the drive? Five hours. Oh. But you liked, you liked Lola? Oh, I loved Lola. Yeah. More than anything. And you took care So of much her. emotional attachment to that dog. Yeah. Seriously. I, I honestly, I didn't even cry when she died because I was so ready for her death. Mm-hmm. But it it hurt the entire time trying to get into getting over to her. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't. So she, I knew she was going to die. She had this big yeah c word on her arm. Yeah, which is cancer. Right. And I was like just getting ready. And every time I saw her, I just lay down with her for like a couple hours and. I was singing to her at points, like, mm-hmm. crying while singing to her. Oh, man, this is hard. I do miss that dog. But, yeah. Yeah, and that's it's such hard. a big part of your childhood to put away, too, yeah. kind of. There's a painting in the, the restroom of my dad's house right now. My dad paints. He's an mm-hmm. artist. And um, we had a dog before that that died that was recent that we didn't have for too long. He was an older pup. And um, he painted him. He was Asland. Great dog. That's man. a good name, yeah. Right? And he was a pit bull. Or he was a boxer with snipped ears, because we just found him like that, and he was very aggressive. But yeah, he painted him, and then he painted Lola, and it's super sick to see that in the restroom. I'm like, sitting there, 
doing my thing, like, mm, I miss those animals. <laughs> it's a good memorial to them yeah. in your bathroom. Yeah. So your dad paints. Yeah. And I think you kind of paint a little bit sometimes. I used to paint quite a bit. Yeah, I used to, when I met you, I felt like you were always working on oh, something. Always art. I haven't been doing art recently because I've been doing a different type of art. Yeah, it's, it's still an art. Music is an I art. Still, I still, I've recently, just in the past couple months, really wanted to get back into it. And everything I've ever seen you draw or paint, it's really different than anything I've ever seen before. I feel like a lot of people who pick up art in like high school or they start, you know, doing it when they're teenagers they it's kind of they mimic something Mm -hmm. they look for something to and i don't i didn't ever see that with you did Mm -hmm. you did you have something that you mimicked or an art style that you tried to follow or did it just come from your brain actually it kind of came from my brain that's what i thought um i i did a okay i had experience now i'm trying to put this together because i haven't thought about this in a minute um I've always looked at my dad's art mm-hmm. when I was growing up. That's my dad, what I was wondering. My dad's art is so cool. He's, <laughs> he used to be an amazing artist. And I say used to because he just doesn't do it anymore. He still is, I'm sure. He could still do it. But there's like this specific abstract piece he did that I stole and it's in my apartment right now. And um, he just actually came over recently and explained it to me and it blew me away. <laughs> like it was crazy. But it's such a weird piece. How did he explain it? He explained it like just like he explained like what it was and what things were because it's like pure abstract to me mm-hmm. like it's purely like there's nothing cohesive there that you can make like a face of or a body part and he kind of showed me like what was this and what was doubled and I was like man that's crazy would never thought about that because you know everybody makes different things about mm-hmm. art when they see it you know everybody's emotions are different but yeah I was looking at my dad's stuff for a while and I wasn't really mimicking him I was just like wow that's really cool. And I was, like, really messing with colors a lot and loving really contrasted paints and stuff like that. But yeah. but then I started really, like, I would just take everything I was doing and make shapes and those would turn into this and that. And it was, it just exploded. It absolutely exploded mm-hmm. up in my face. And I could not stop doing it. And it was invigorating. I was doing it every part of the day. Like, I would come home, I would do it. I would collage, I would do this, I would do that. And um, <laughs> when I started being in a band, it just dropped, almost. I just stopped doing it. Oh, yeah. Because my attention went there. Because it's also another creative outlet. Yeah. Yeah. But that was a really big part. And your band takes up a lot of creative brain power, too. Yeah, it does. You only have so much in there, I think. Well, it's not only the band. Yeah. I mean, cause no, it's, it's a bunch of musical creative I endeavors. I do a bunch of music endeavors with a bunch of different people. And they're not none of it's official, yeah. most of it. Like, I have one strict band. But everything else is like endeavors where I'm really just doing stuff with different people. And just recently, I've been exploding in that, too. But, yeah, when that kind of started happening, I was like, boom, oh, I'm going to focus all my attention on this. And it just happened. So you're drawn to art because of your dad. Mm-hmm. But did anything in your childhood draw you to music? No. No. My dad has an excellent taste in music. Mm. To me. <laughs> he showed me pavement whenever I was like, um, I think 10. Wow, that's cool. In Weezer when I was about 10. <laughs> it was always playing it. But he showed me the, the Pinkerton album and the Red album when I was that young. And that was awesome. I thought it was the coolest stuff. I was like, yes, this is great. He showed me uh, garbage and um, all that stuff. All of his stuff. He didn't show me Sonic Youth quite yeah, but he definitely showed me that stuff, and 
that was cool. I thought it was really cool. I wasn't inspired by it or anything. I'm not even going to lie. I wasn't like, I want to do this. I was like, yeah, it's cool. I like his music. Awesome. I didn't want to be a musician. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't think, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I never had aspirations as a kid of what I wanted to be, actually. Or, um, I have a very sparse memory, um, of music. Uh, my uncle Mark, my mom's side, is this hippie dude. He has, like, this long white hair. And there, um, that's the other musician part of my family. My aunt is a music lady. My uncle is, too. Big potheads. They're big old hippies. Big as they love Whole Foods. Come on. So you look at your mom's side of the family as, like, very hippie. Mm-hmm. Very laid back and, let's do this now. And not planned out. And my dad's side is very, um, to the point and planned out. Not conservatively mm-hmm. planned out, but, like, more loosely planned out. Like, hey, we're going to do this. And more put together. They're definitely more liberal. But, like, they have their stuff together, mm-hmm. I would say, for sure. A lot better than my mom's side. <laughs> so I have a weird mix of wild my mom and like organized but still an artist an artist organized but still an artist that's interesting so it's an interesting combination that yeah. I love I honestly love the way I've always thought about that like the way that my parents are and raised me mm-hmm. my mom's just crazy yeah she's <laughs> yeah. a very free spirit we used to oh my god we used to burn stuff in our backyard <laughs> oh we used to burn so much stuff we used to do this thing this is like near the end of when, uh, the burning era that's <laughs> what I'll the call burning it era. we used to get cotton balls and douse them in alcohol and we lived in the heights we live in, like, a nice part of town. Just in the backyard doing this after school, hanging out. And we used to throw burning cotton balls at each other with my mom, hanging out. That's not a story most people tell where their mom was there. <laughs> no, she was into it. Yeah. She, she, like you said, like she's, she, like, showing you how to yeah, do it. No, she was, like, be careful while you're doing this. Oh, okay. And I would, like, set my hands on fire without rubbing alcohol. And she'd be like, David, stop it. And then she'd be like, no, if you're going to set stuff on fire, do it in the ground. Like, you know. Like, it's, it's weird. But, yeah, she's still, I talk to her every day. I love her so much. Definitely taught me a lot, but definitely had to do a lot of growing up mm-hmm. after parents split. Yeah. Yeah. How old were you when your parents split? I was 11 and a half, 12. And you had already moved to Houston at that point? Yeah, we were in Houston. Mm-hmm. We lived in the Heights, um, like Garden Oaks, Greater Heights area. I'm sure only a couple people know about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we lived there in a pretty nice house, really cool house. And uh, parents, it was very sudden. They weren't happy for a long time because their parents are literal polar opposites. Yeah, it sounds like it. Oh, the exact opposite. Still on the same wavelength of art, kind mm-hmm. of, but yeah, polar opposites. And um, I remember this specific night that I, that I knew something was wrong. It was in, I was at home with my little brother watching a movie and my parents were out really late. And um, my dad just stormed. It was like maybe 12 o'clock at night, maybe 1 a.m. My dad stormed in and looked at me and was very angry. And not at me, but in general. He was like, and he looked at me and said, me and your mom are getting a divorce. And then grabbed his computer, grabbed his, I was just crying, holding my little brother. I remember, because I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. I was a kid. I was like, what is divorce? Like, yeah. <laughs> I had not heard of he divorce. He didn't know, really? You didn't, didn't know, know what divorce was? was. But you knew, you could tell there was something really I wrong. I knew there was something wrong. No, yeah. just from that point. Yeah, exactly. Because I never knew. You know, you don't pay attention to your parents. 
relationship for the most. I didn't. You just take you just take it as it is. I just took it. Yeah. Like, oh, they're doing okay. Like yeah. they didn't fight in front of us very often. They probably bickered like behind our backs and stuff like that. Well, you wouldn't have thought to mentally exactly. check in with like, hmm, yeah. I wonder how Unless my parents' like, romance life is going in front of you. Yeah. I think that's when it's like, oh, obviously for a long time, years. If it's like right in front of you, but it but was, it wasn't. Yeah, because they I, they loved us a lot, and they kept us as a trio of boys they wanted us to be fine and that's why they were trying to make it work for someone i'm sure but um yeah one day just came in and uh, took his computer and i was just so f- taken away by that i just fell asleep the next morning i woke up in the same couch i looked out the window my dad's in the front yard talking to the neighbor like nothing's happened watering the grass literally i could from the perspective of me laying on the couch i look over to the left look out my front window I see him talking while watering the glass. Like, nothing happened. And it was the most confusing thing of my entire life. Were you like, I, did I just dream that? Yeah, I literally thought I dreamed it. Because, like, it, it was, like, almost cinematic the way that it happened at nighttime to daytime. Like, it literally could have been, like, a short motion picture. Like, yeah. it was intense. And I didn't know what was going on. Like, oh, it was crazy. But then, you know, I'm sure a couple months after that, they started getting into breaking up and all that stuff. So your brothers were in the room when your dad... Came. They were asleep completely. Oh, okay. I so was it was alone. just you by yourself. Yeah, I was alone. You didn't have anyone to fact them. check. Like I tried getting Zachary to wake up, and I was like, mm. <laughs> and he just was passed out. He didn't know what was going on. I didn't want to scare him, so that was <laughs> was nine or yeah, I was like eleven, ten, ten or eleven. So yeah, I didn't know what was going on. There's a scary movie playing. Oh no! <laughs> the worst part about it. Did you keep watching the movie after no, that? I was just oh, okay. Crying. I was just like, eee. and then I just after that I don't remember. You went to that. sleep. I probably just went to sleep. Yeah. Do you remember what scary movie it was? Uh, I think it was like Nightmare Before Christmas. That's no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, Night of the Living Dead. Oh, okay, okay, that's good. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh my god. What if that was like the scariest movie in your life and you're like, that's why? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my god. That's the force for one. No. That'd be awful. <laughs> um, okay, so the next day you woke up, you're confused because your dad is acting totally normal. Yeah, like nothing happened. Did you ask, were you like, hey dad, did did I that really it. happen? No. I ignored it. And I didn't even ask. I, I I might have asked. See, this is a blurry thing for me. Yeah. Memory's a little parcel here, but I might have asked. Mm-hmm. I might have. I don't. I don't think I asked. But I, there was still confusion for a while. Oh, so in your brain. Confusion. That's yeah. why I started. Oh man, I got into screamo music. I was angry. Yeah. I started. I wasn't. I don't even know. What I was angry at. I was probably angry at them. But yeah, before they were before they were divorced, I was getting really angry. And then when they did get divorced, I definitely took my dad's side. Mm-hmm. And um, he moved out, and I was just being mean and kind of rebelling, I guess. And I remember one time I was rebelling, and I said something mean to my mom. And I was being really mean to my little brothers. I'm just going to be honest with you. It was awful. They remember it, too. They were like, yeah. I have a great relationship mm-hmm. with them. Super close with them. But I was just being mean to them and, yeah. you know, punching them. Because I was angry. Yeah. I, didn't know where to, I didn't know where to put it, and I was confused still. And even when they told us, I didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. You're like, what's divorce? Yeah, You're like, like punching your brothers. <laughs> yeah, like, what's divorce? <laughs> <laughs> I like punching them. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah. And I remember, like, one time, like, I said something mean to my mom after hitting them. And she, like, grabbed my neck and pushed me against the door and was like, you're not the boss around here. Yeah. And she, like, really put me in my place. And then my dad picked me up. And but- I remember uh, at that time, 
my dad, like I was driving my dad and I was so angry at my mom uh-huh. and he just broke down in the car next to me because he was so, he was upset. He was like, I don't know how she could do this to me or why she's so mean. And that also made me really resent her a lot too. And I was like, damn. Yeah. My dad's like crying. I saw my dad at this point cry in front of me. I looked up to him for so long. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. A lot of different emotions yes. <laughs> happening. I was. It's someone who's really organized. You think like you've always thought they had their life totally together, and then yeah. you're realizing like, oh, neither of these people have their lives yeah. together. No idea what's happening. Yeah. At all. My dad's crying after he picks me up. He's supposed to be the strong figure. Seeing your dad crying, oh, just like any awful. person seeing their dad crying. I mean, at least for me, it's like yeah. you're like what's happening. Your dad doesn't even have to be a masculine figure in yeah. your life for it to happen. Seeing a parent cry. Yeah. That's like mm-hmm. this strong figure in your life is so uprooting and you're just like, What? Yeah. You can do this. Mm-hmm. I thought you had it together. Yeah. Not not in that way, but, but like, yeah, like, kinda. You, like, oh. you feel like the world's ending. You're like, yeah. wow, this must be really, really bad. I did really feel like the world was ending. Like, oh man, I started messing up in school. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to go start <laughs> skipping classes. Had purple hair. They were like, can't do that. And I let it grow out and cut it off. Mm-hmm. And yeah, started doing better. Went from HISD to Klein, which means I went from a dress code to wearing like khakis and like a blue or red shirt, depending on your grade, to whatever you wanted. Mm-hmm. Which was so sick. Yeah. So sick. I was, also do, I was also messing up there, but also my grades were fine. Like, I was an okay student, but I was still doing stupid things, like hanging out with the wrong people. But yeah. also, I had good friends, too. I had my first real girlfriend there, Aww. which was good. My emo girlfriend. Emo girlfriend. Loved my chemical romance. <laughs> it was a good time. So that sounds like a lot of moving schools. Yeah, so uh, actually before then, I'll go back to middle school. Sixth grade, I was in Hog Middle School. It's a pretty bad middle school. I got offered drugs in the restroom like the third day. I took mariachi there, though. <laughs> I, <laughs> I took mariachi in mariachi Okay, class. Hog Middle School, you learned about drugs and mariachi. And I took cool. karate there, too. And karate? Yeah, sick. Mariachi really put me on. I played the viola, I think. <laughs> the five-string guitar. I forgot the name of it. Is not the viola. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a musician, guys. Ooh. Yeah, I'm not gonna correct you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know either. But um, yeah, I played that and that was sick. I learned a couple chords on that. That did not start me on music, but it was cool. I know I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Didn't ever play a show with the band, but it's okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. had some girlfriends. I've always had long relationships, so I like fell in love, love <laughs> with somebody ninth grade. Her name was Jordan. Not gonna go past that. Don't okay. even put it there. But um, yeah, she had blue hair. She loved the Clash. That person, that girl, showed me the Clash and showed me a bunch of cool music. That really, that is what set me off. Yeah. That is what set me off into, because I was I was into screamo before then. That was like my scene phase from like seventh grade to eighth grade, early ninth grade. Loved that stuff. And then I met this person, and they showed me a bunch of music like bare naked ladies even like i didn't just so much like regular stuff i should have been listening to yeah that really just helped me develop my core roots and was like cool listen to all this music and i started just diving by myself and like looking at related artists and she convinced me to get like a subscription to um i forgot the name of it it was just like an old old streaming app it was cool it was great and uh but this person she moved away after three months of me dating her actually it might have been like four months but she moved away, and um, 
She went to Chicago, <laughs> which is very far. Yeah. But we still stayed in a relationship. You know how that goes. Yeah. And we were together for two years. Wow. Which is crazy. That is crazy. But it was a very bad two years. <laughs> Did you ever get to go visit her or her come visit you? She visited me once. Mm-hmm. And that was like a couple months after she left. And past then, it was just on the phone every night. Oh, long messages every morning. Completely <laughs> and unfathomably in love. Like, I don't even know if I was in love with her or an idea. It was like yes. when I look back on it. Yeah. Because like near the end of it, I tried killing myself. Mm-hmm. I'll just put it out there. I've never been somebody to really like think about that, have depression. Yeah. Anything like that. I was so connected to this idea of this person that you can see right here on my arm. I still have the scars Yeah. to this day. I really went for it. I just did it. I laid in a bathtub and my dad found me and was like, oh no. And they wrapped me up and they were just telling me how much they loved me. And they were just so surprised too. And they were like, what is happening? This is crazy. But after that, I was like, man, that was stupid. You were just hurting over this girl? Yeah. That was the whole, you were just, I'm so, I can't Because I thought I couldn't be with her anymore. I thought I lost her. And I was like, just a kid. Mm-hmm. Just drowning in this idea of a person because I was completely obsessed. Yeah. Because, like, it's your first love. It's, like, it's so intense. And I'm such a romantic person that I can throw myself on someone when it comes down to it or really open up. And then, mm-hmm. I don't know. She had a really cool dad. Huh. Loved her dad. Dad was a cool guy. You really like dads. Yeah. I mean, they're big, <laughs> they're big figures yeah. in life. Like, I loved your dad. I know. Your dad's great. You love my dad. You love Jimmy's dad. Yeah. Jimmy's dad's awesome. <laughs> These are really solid dads. Yeah, they are. Because. Okay. They're not just your regular dad. We're going to get into something now. Okay, go. Which is Tony. Okay. The Macedonian. Tony is your. Ex-stepfather. Right. Who is from Macedonia, which is next to Greece in Bolivia, I believe. Okay. Bolivia might be wrong. I think it's Bolivia. He came to my life, um, I think, six months to a year after parents were divorced. Wow. He's the reason why I grew up a lot. Because I literally had to be a therapist for my mom for years and just do it. I'm still immature. I still have parts I need to work on. I still have a lot of things I need to figure out for myself. But, like, Tony was actually a pretty um, humble guy when he came out to the beginning. He was really cool. Very nice. Mm-hmm. He is the ultimate manipulator and the ultimate psychopath I've ever met. A literal psychopath at manipulating feelings and doesn't know how to process feelings, I think. Yeah. And from what I've heard. But, um, yeah, he was cool. And he moved in and we lived at a house in Althea. And then we moved to part of Spring. My mom did. My dad already lived over there. And Tony moved with her. And, um, yeah, he didn't work for a good six months, for a good, actually, year that he was first with my mom. At all. Didn't work, didn't do anything, didn't even clean the house. And I didn't, I didn't see that because I wasn't paying attention to it. Yeah. And I wasn't there half the time. So I never knew that. So I thought he was awesome. I really thought he was awesome for a long time. And um, we moved in together, <laughs> all of us, into a little house in spring. And... Um, it was really cool for a long time. I was making a lot of music. I was like writing all the time because he was teaching me and how to use pedals and how to play improv rather than 
learn theory. He was teaching me how to really use my brain and how to like pick apart what I'm doing slowly and think about what other people are doing. I played in this weird improv psychedelic band for a little bit with him called Spirit Noise, which was very intimidating. It was a good time, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I played in that one a little bit, but that really started me off of everything, so he gave me that. And you started playing with in that band when you were in high school? Yeah. Or, okay. Mm-hmm. They were all like 40. And just a little high schooler. <laughs> just a little high schooler. I only played two shows with them. So, huh. it's fine. I, pr- yeah. I practice with them a lot, but pretty hard to practice improv music but everything you're saying about what he taught you like on how to play bass mm-hmm. i feel like that's so true for what kind of musician you are now yeah, I think it, yeah. It, he literally helps see he didn't develop everything i definitely took a curve after he left and started really thinking about how, what i wanted to do and just play and practice more in my brain but he definitely put those ideas there and was like, hey, let's give you some how to do it, whatever. Don't think normally. Think about it a completely different way. And I, now I appreciate that more than anything. Because if I learned normally, I wouldn't play the way I play. And I love the way I play. Yeah. So I appreciate it. Self-confidence is important. Yeah. I think it's cool. I like it. And I practice a lot for it. So, yeah. But he taught me that. He taught me those things. And I had a lot of cool gear because he... Loved gear too. He taught me a lot of home recording stuff too. How to use Cubase, a very old DAW. <laughs> and um, those are all the good things. And he was a really cool guy for a while. But something that was underlying through all of this is my parents used to fight. They used to fight all the time. Your mom you're, and Tony. Yeah. But it wasn't regular fighting. And it wasn't behind the scenes. At first it was. We just heard him yelling through the walls. I don't think they ever hit each other. But you're still, were you still accepting this as all normal? Or were I was you kinda... ignoring it again. Okay. I was blown over. I wasn't ignoring it completely. I knew it was happening. He was an alcoholic. Yeah. And and it wasn't like an alcoholic in the manner of like beating everyone or was screaming. He would just, he honestly used to drink and was like nicer. <laughs> it was weird because he was working a really strenuous job of like installing internet. My mom and him had a business together, but she owned the business. And um, he worked these long hours and come home at 11 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, and we were just about to get in bed. And he would bring a 12 to 24 pack of beer home, get on FIFA with his um, cousin, Ruben, and um, stay up till 5 in the morning playing FIFA drunk as hell, (laughs) which is... Doesn't sound that bad. It was kind of like funny, but he was. We were trying to sleep, yeah. you know. And um, he'd wake up and do the same thing the next day, over and over again. But when he would drink bourbon, that's when he got aggressive. And I was bringing a lot of friends over, and Tony thought this as me going behind his back because I wouldn't ask him because I didn't need to ask him. Yeah. I asked my mom, and she was like, "Cool, that's fine." You know, she owns the house. <laughs> she owns the business. Like. And he, he was this weird masculine figure that thought I everything has to go through him. And me not asking her one night, as it had been happening for maybe a couple weeks before then, was me just going behind his back and stabbing him. So he came home, was drunk already off bourbon. He felt like I was going behind his back, and I was taking um, a shower before he came home. I was in the shower in his restroom because our restroom wasn't working or something like that. And um, I was just in there, and he breaks open the door screaming. Of just the just their room, screaming loud like like I couldn't understand what was happening, and I was in the shower, 
And then he punched, like, was banging on the door, the restroom door, screaming on it, like, open this door, open this door. And screaming cusswords at me. And I was like, okay. I was like, turn, the, turn off the water. And he punches through the door because it's a cheap house. This, like, cardboard, basically, door. Opens the door. And I'm sitting there, like, trying to get ready. And he pulls me out of the shower. And I'm thrown on the ground. And then he's about to punch me. And my little brother comes in and hits him on the head with a trophy. Ah! And, um... And then the brother was like, hit him on the head and was like, don't mess with my mom and stuff like that. And was a hero. Um, but yeah, he was drunk off bourbon and then he was outside and they kicked him out of the house and he was, he just lingered outside of our house all night talking mess. And I mean talking mess in the manner of he wanted to fight me, like literally fight me. Cause he thought I, he was like, you're going to be such a big man. Come uh. fight me. And he, he called me a little kitty cat. As in the word. Yeah. And very vulgar, man. I'm, this is a no cussing podcast, but trust me, if it was, I would tell you the words he was saying and it sounds crazy, but he would link, I was, I went outside to see where he was at and he's just literally out there with a bottle of bourbon, like cussing at me saying, come, come fight me. That's so unfortunate that he ended up outside with the bottle of bourbon. Ridiculous. I know. <laughs> it's just like why? that didn't have to help things, did I know, it? No, it didn't help. Things. But did you sleep that night? Yeah, I slept that night. You did? Yeah. My yeah. my friends were there with me and they had knives in the room because they were so scared. One of my best friends, Michael, was there with me. And this is eleventh grade. This is like yeah. I forgot to mention that. This is like eleventh grade. Mid eleventh grade. It was crazy, man. But yeah, he I don't know if my mom let him back in because, you know, she was also in love with him. Yeah. Like, love blinds you. And she wasn't trying to endanger us or anything. Like, she's apologized a thousand times. She's like, I didn't mean to put you in this position or anything like that. And um, I don't hold anything against her for a second. Because it's hard. Dude was a manipulator. Mm-hmm. He knows how to use his words. But, yeah, I don't know where to go past that. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, yeah, that's Tony. They, they kind of tried to make it work for a little while longer. Yeah, they tried to make it work for um, some time after we moved into another house. Yeah. Um, they were fighting again, I'm sure. And um, But at that point, you kind of didn't trust him so much, probably. I didn't trust him as much. And I was yeah. starting to be more distant with him. I was already doing music by myself. I didn't need yeah. him anymore mm-hmm. when it comes down to it. And I lived up in a garage apartment. And I remember near the end of it, like, they were home alone. It was just them two and me up the stairs and little brothers at the other house. And, like, they were fighting and drunk. Both of them were drunk. And that's just awful. Not a good combination. Mm-hmm. And I was up in my room. Mama, my mom was coming to me advice, for advice at that point, too. Still. Still. I was mm-hmm. 18. Yeah. And um, I remember they were fighting, and they were both at my door. And I was putting... Because Tony had kicked my door in at one point to the garage to open it, to fix it, because it was locked. And <laughs> instead of finding the key, kicked it open and broke it, and I fixed it. <laughs> it was good but it was only one little lock and then my mom was like trying to get it by me while drunk and Tony's there like yelling at each other and I was just at the door with my back to it just like hands and head just going like oh my god this is awful like I hate this <laughs> and um yeah it kind of just unwound at that point and I remember hearing them throwing stuff in the house I'm like alright cool I'm gonna try to go to bed but the garage apartment was connected to the house <laughs> and I could hear like uh, a PS4 being thrown across the room and hitting the wall and I was like Ugh, yeah awful. that's awful. so interesting to me that you're you had your parents coming to you for these big emotional times in their life and you probably knew that you're good at helping people work through things but you kind of 
were wise enough to know and to stay out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, there, I think a lot of people in that situation probably would be like, well, I gotta go over there and then, you know, put themselves in a dangerous situation. But yeah. you didn't really do that, did you? No, because no. I wasn't gonna do it. And I remember yeah. sitting there, I almost opened the door. Because it's my mom. Yeah. It's hard. It was hard not to open the door. I was sitting there just like, just contemplating it. Like, do I open the door? Like, look, I support her. Like, hand on the door. Like, yeah, sitting there with my back to the door because I yeah. just keep it closed. <laughs> and um, just, like, do I open this door? And I could hear her crying at the door. Oh. And Tony going, like, he's not going to be there for you. He doesn't care about you. Like, he was the most manipulative person. I'm serious. Like, awful. And, dude, he used to put things in my head before this, before we moved to that house. I used to go on jobs with him, right? And he would tell me, like, your mom's a peasant. Like, your, your mother is nothing. She's trash. She's this. And I'm like, and I would take that. Yeah. When you're around someone, yeah, that's like kind of nar- like a narcissist or manipulative, they can, you just kind of hear it and you're like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. I, just, I was making sense of it when yeah. I wasn't there because I looked up to him. Right. And he is the epitome of a narcissist. That it's like a serious mental problem to where you can't accept things as your own and this fault. Dude thought he was so wise. He yeah, didn't even say uh-huh. it. He was like, I am wise. I know what I'm talking about. And he used to tell me this specific thing. I am never wrong. Never I'm wrong. I'm not wrong. He would literally tell me he's never wrong. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. <laughs> Awful. Hand on the floor. Awful. My dad, whenever I would see him, he wouldn't be strict, but he would be telling me, like, oh, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. He was always keeping me on track. Yeah, the and organized yeah, one. Yeah, always keeping me on track and being like, hey, do this. And my mom was there, too. She was like, hey, I'll help you with whatever. They both helped me. Like, they really did. Like, to help me keep my head on straight. Even though my mom might have been going through some stuff, my head was still on straight. Yeah. Like, she, she was helping me with that, too. Even though I was there for her, she was like, oh, you need help with this? I'll help you with that. Great. That's like, good. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Like, it's a supportive family. It's... It's great. It doesn't sound as bad. No, as no. Yeah, it's just like some things that have happened over the whole handshake and seriously. Okay. Come on. What was the first concert you ever went to? Ooh. 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 At Fitzgerald's. Mm. When I was with my dad, mm-hmm. 12 or 13, I saw a punk show. My uncle, his brother, is really into punk, like Descendants kind of punk. So I went and saw this band called um, Authority Zero. <laughs> it was like ska punk. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. I like this. Yeah, it was just <laughs> it was just crazy ska punk. And that was the first show I ever went to. I started going to more shows with my dad. So you think your younger self would probably be proud of you for for being someone that like sees so many bands every night? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think younger me is a little bit dumber. And <laughs> would have been like, Thick. <laughs> That's probably what I would have said exactly. And uh, while we're talking about your younger self being proud of you, they'd probably be pretty proud of Astrogal, I think. I think so, yeah. yeah. Honestly. I mean, they probably wouldn't understand it very much. <laughs> they'd be like, That's weird music. Really? You think you would have you would hear like one of your songs and be thrown off by it? I think I'd be thrown off a little bit. I think I'd like it. Yeah. Younger me would have been like, this is cool, but also have been like, this is not what I'm used to. <laughs> Younger me in the manner of like 12 okay. kind of ideas. You wanted emo music. Man, I loved that stuff. Yeah. Loved it. God, I loved it. I found Radiohead in high school at that time. I was like listening to Scream on Radiohead. Very weird contrast. <laughs> it was 
It was wonderful. It's like a transition period. Yeah, it was a transition period. But it just can you imagine me listening to Karma Police and then hearing like some crazy like asking I didn't know, <laughs> like that's what I was doing. It was crazy. <laughs> it wasn't even good like screamo either. It was like, the poppiest bad screamo you can think of. Huh. At least that's the way I put it. Right. Yeah. Other people still like that music. I'm not gonna talk about it. Well, it. I'm interested in your perspective on this here. So. Oh, well, my perspective is, it's garbage music, <laughs> and it's not bad. People are just making a living, but also, I just, I'm not into it, but that's okay. You know, music's music, whatever you make of it, so do your own thing. I've really been trying to be less niche with music recently. Oh, I kicked the table. It's okay. You're trying to be less niche? Yeah. Hmm. Because I've just... I've kind of been in this, like, weird headspace for the last, like, year or two of just listening to the weirdest and craziest stuff, like, composed, like, Steve Reich and just ambient music and, like, small-time artists, which I still listen to. I like that stuff a lot. Yeah. But I've really just, like, I would go talk to, like, people, like, friends mm-hmm. at shows, and I wouldn't be able to relate with anybody. Yeah. Because I don't listen to... I so get that. Yeah. I, could, yeah. Like, I couldn't even talk about Unknown Mortal Orchestra. Like, yeah. Because I didn't listen to them. I didn't know. I loved the first album. That's what I would say. I'd be very like, I liked the first album. <laughs> the and earlier they, stuff was earlier good. earlier stuff's better. And they're just like, what? And I'm like, oh, I'm, saying, yeah, I'm such a butthead. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> like, come on. But yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to listen more to a lot of broader things. Yeah. And just be more understanding. This is kind of similar Probably like a year ago, I was just listening to a whole bunch of sad girl bedroom pop, Mm -hmm. and it was kind of depressing, and now I'm listening to a whole bunch of Casey Musgraves, Mm. and my days are so much brighter. Oh, yeah. All thanks to Casey Musgraves. It's all the music you listen to sets your mood. It really does. It does. Like, no matter what, especially the first music you listen to in the day. Yeah. That really sets it. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I listen to Casey Musgraves, like, first thing in the morning every day now, but before that... I was listening to A Day in the Life by the Beatles, mm. like, every single morning for probably two months straight. I was obsessed with that song. That does sound, like, really good. It's great morning music. Very refreshing. What's your morning music? Morning music for me uh, is uh, Courtney Barnett. Mm, yeah. Mm, waking up. It's, like, a literal morning Elevator music. operator is yes. what I used to listen to before work. Yes. I just sit there and be, like, getting my shoes and, like, mm, yes. sleeping <laughs> another day. Oh, what a wonder. I'm like, oh, this is good. This is, it's like wake up music. Like, yeah. This is awesome. That or, um, Chris Cohen, which mm-hmm. is not morning music. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like before coffee music, I yeah. think. So yeah. Definitely. That's me. That's morning music for me, honestly. Morning music. Morning music. I like, um, when it's raining, listening to Mazzy Star in the morning. Uh, and then like, if it's a Saturday making muffins or something. What? It's like the ultimate life experience. That sounds so pleasing. I recommend it to everyone. What kind of muffins? Mm, I really, I have some apple cinnamon crumble ones. Oh, I made lemon poppy seed a couple weeks ago. I am muffin ignorant. Well, I think that's it. Oh. Yeah. Thank you for coming on my podcast. Of course. Thank you for being the first person that I interview. I'm glad to be here. This is a lot of fun. And I hope other people do it and have soft voices and do not have booming voices. Does that make sense? Yeah. I hope. I don't think it's that bad. Are you worried that cool. you had a booming voice? I just voice? I had a booming voice. No, I've been watching. You haven't hit the red mark a single time. Oh, my God.
Except for when you burped. Then it was really, really loud. I'm hitting the red mark. No, you're not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to try just once to hit it? <laughs> yeah, it did that time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check back next week for the next episode of Child Eyes. Um, for a little bit more information on my interview with David, you can check it out on the Child Eyes podcast blog at www.childeyespodcast.com. Um, additionally, you should definitely check out Astragal's band page. It's Astragal, A-S-T-R-A-G-A-L. And it's on Spotify, iTunes, Bandcamp, all those platforms. Um, yeah. So thanks. Bye. I must say that you are only funny to me when I'm right. Conversations on the swing set looking through.